Yo, and welcome to the 95th episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host. Joining us for the third time? Perfect. The yeah, third. third time, all the way from the other side of the world. We figured out before we're 16 hours apart. Was that the number we said? It's too far. I feel like I'm in the future right now at this point. So. <laughs> I mean, you're essentially in the future, right? You are playing an entirely different format. Uh, but if you don't recognize that voice or you didn't read the title of the episode, uh, we have Ethan Heggy, a.k.a. Hegster, joining us once again from Japan. Uh, Hegster, thank you so much, too. You are currently recording this on a Monday morning <laughs> and you had to accommodate my less than accommodating schedule considering the time difference. So thank you so much, first and foremost. Yeah, happy to be back as well. Happy the viewers want me back as well. And yeah, I mean, we're here talking about Pokemon, our favorite thing as well, future format. So there's a lot of exciting things to talk about, a lot of exciting things that I've been sharing over on my end, and then of course having another platform here to share to some more viewers about how post-rotation changes, how the game gets more exciting. I know it's good news, right? We get good things happening within Pokemon cards coming out. Uh, it's exciting, and I'm happy to talk about it. So you've been mentioned. You just mentioned your own platform, and normally we do at the end, but like this is one that really should be pushed at the beginning. So you've kind of labeled this like Hegster Radio on your Twitter. How did that get started, and how much are you going to be doing that? Because I have enjoyed being able to tune in, not so much, unfortunately, due to the time difference. But when I can check the recordings, I 100% listen to them. How did you start that, and do you think you're going to keep going with that? So, like, as I started to, the whole goal through, like, the last couple of months has been to sort of bridge the gap between uh, the Japanese metagame and the Pokemon metagame over in the United States, so that when things come over to the U.S., it becomes a little bit more smooth of a transition and people can start getting practice. I, I know as somebody who, of course, have lived in the U.S. almost all of my life, there had always been that gap between Japanese either having sets before us or rotation happening before us or at different periods of time. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was that the more I can do, at least on my end, to sort of pitch in and try to help out to give people this easier transition over to learning about new cards and getting information over, then it's going to be better on my end. And part of that was maybe making some more content, making some more posts over on Twitter, utilizing my social platforms to get the information out. So Hex Radio seemed like a, a good mix. I could keep things, at least for the time being, on Twitter. Uh, and also have sort of these discussions where they feel engaging for people, right? It's sort of this different style of content than what we're used to seeing, which would either be future format articles, which a lot of those exist. And like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy reading a good article. It's fun. But sometimes it's a little hard to sit down and, and read an article for, for a few hours. And some people really connect better when it's something maybe a little bit more interactive. Live content was one of my favorite things to produce. It's fun. It's interactive. You don't know what's going to happen. There's the unpredictability. And it's engaging, too. And Twitter Spaces has a great way of doing that. It's, it would be this very similar on Twitch as well. I might change over and do that. But the whole point is people can ask questions in live time. They can learn about what's happening. And it's fun. And it, it's engaging. So that was sort of like the, the thought process behind doing sort of those Twitter Spaces. If you don't know, you can uh, click the link in the description to get to Hegster's Twitter. But uh, just in case someone's driving and they current can't do that right now. What do they search on Twitter to follow you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at HegsterTCG and then twitch.tv forward slash HegsterTCG. But I post all my updates on Twitter. It's like sort of my main social I'm on right now. So if you follow me there, you'll know exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's definitely the move if you're a Pokemon trading card game player to uh, get over on Twitter just in case. You may love it. You may hate it. And that's they're both valid. They're both correct choices. <laughs> but uh, anyway, like you said, we got a different platform here. Uh, we're not on Hexter Radio, but we're going to cover about the same topic. A lot of that post rotation stuff. So the plan for this episode is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what you've played to some of the city leagues and things like that. What you've been testing. And then we have some questions from Twitter. Uh twitter.com slash lake of rage pod i posted this before if you ever want to be able to ask a question on the pod we used to do live on twitch now we don't because uh it's a little inconvenient for me unfortunately but be sure to follow the twitter so that you can potentially ask some of those questions of our guests as well and if your question doesn't get asked sorry but some of you asked some really specific stuff and uh we're kind of going with a little more of a broad overview of everything on this episode and then we'll be able to dive into the specifics you know probably a little bit later but anyway, you've competed in some city leagues, and for those who don't know, it's about the League Cup or something like that, right? We had a whole episode on that if you haven't listened to it already. But uh, what have you been playing? How have you been doing in it? Like, what are the decks that you've been gravitating towards, and how have you been finding the post-rotation format so far? 
So post rotation is very different in the sense that a lot of decks, we sort of have something that's a little bit more polarizing. Like, so decks still gatekeep other decks, like, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Like, I mean, I had said this a lot, but cards like Sableye, right, are still very, very good at keeping certain decks out of the format. But the way that the format's sort of evolved to this point is there's sort of six to seven-ish decks that are considered viable that have outs against a majority of the matchups, right? It's not a, a guaranteed thing, so to say, but they're very, very solid against so mm -hmm. uh, against a, a plethora of matchups. So sort of my philosophy when going into matchups is to, or any format number one, is to understand what makes a deck good, right? And what tools do we either lose when going into rotation, right? So an example that draw me right away to Garatina V-Star is we lost a lot of the aggression that one prize Pokemon had, right? And that was sort of the weakness of Garatina V-Star in this current format, right? The reason Garatina doesn't see any play is because Lugia can use Yveltal to take a knockout on Garatina, they can use Radiant Charizard to take a knockout on Garatina, and they can even hit back with a Lugia to knock out with a V-Guard energy, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes it even harder to set math up that way. But now those things are gone, right? So Garatina was immediately something that players had looked back to and it's got a lot of really really nice tools and really really strong aggression so that was the deck that i played from like the start out to play because why would you not you've, you've got sableye to take care of a lot of the one prize things garatina now can use star requiem as well there's nothing that's really preventing star requiem from going through you no know, funny business like big yeah. parasol anymore and it's just 280 is a really good number to hit right now because there's no things like Big Charm in the format. Tool Jammer doesn't do anything against you, right? So nothing's stopping you from taking those knockouts besides Vigar Energy onto these multi-priced Pokemon. And you're fast, and you can be slow. You have hand disruption, so it, it covered every box, right? Um, but I didn't end up playing that for my City League. I ended up playing Maridon, and that was sort of a last-minute thing. Lost Mirrors are very, very difficult. Like, uh, even coming from somebody who, like, I would consider myself, like, I'm not, like, the best player, and I'm not, like, I would consider, like, at the level of top, but I, I definitely know what I'm doing. I have a good understanding of the game. Um, lost mirrors are something that, uh, some some of the factors for that matchup are in your control, and some of them are out of your control, right? Going second, getting the first attack off, taking prizes, if both players draw well, big advantage on that end, right? Uh, Roxanne, but there, there are ways you could play around the matchup, mm -hmm. and honestly, it was, the thing that stopped me from playing Garatina was not the deck itself and what it can do, but more so the idea that I knew probably about 30% of my matchups I would have played would have been, would have been Mirror, uh, and that just like didn't feel like something that I really wanted to sort of go after was playing Mirror. Um, and Maridon was one of the decks that I felt at the time had really good, like the way I had it built, had really good matchups into a majority of the decks that were strong. Um, so of course the Lost Zone decks, Klefki is good into those. Uh, anything that wants to try to race you aggression-wise, like Arceus, sure, you pray with that, right? You're more than happy to. You'll eat a Trinity Nova as well, so your Maridon's not getting knocked out. Uh, Gardevoir, you could just sort of be aggressive into them as well. You've got Klefki if you really want to shut down Greninja, you've got that option. Um, a lot a lot of other things too. Like Single Prize Loss is also okay, right? It was even better than Giratina. You sort of had like good matchups against the majority of the board. Uh, I didn't really draw well. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Before you jump too deep, and anyone who's watched my YouTube, you know that I only know about 80% of what a card does, and then I make up the rest of it. So for people like me, or people who know even less than that, what does Maridon do? <laughs> well, Maridon has a great attack and a great ability. So the ability uh, is probably the most powerful set of ability we've had in Pokemon in the wild. It lets you look through your deck. Uh, if it's in play, it doesn't have to be on your bench, it doesn't have to be in the active, it can be anywhere. Search your deck for two lightning Pokemon and put them onto your bench. It doesn't say you can't search for a Rhydon. It doesn't say you can't search for... You get, can't only do this once per turn. Hmm. It's just... That's how it works. So Wait, usually, so Rhydon can be on the bench and use this ability? It can be the active, okay. too, and use the ability. Th yeah, this goes back cool. to me not knowing what cards do. That card's yeah. so much more... That card's better than I thought it was. I was like, bro, you have to find yeah. a switching card. Oh, okay. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> So the idea is, like, if you start a Maridon, right, or even if you have it on your bench, right, so if you start Maridon, right, you or let's say you, like, start Regilecki, right, you nest ball from Maridon, mm -hmm. so then you Maridon, you use Tandem Unit, and that finds you a Maridon and a Regilecki. And then you use the second Maridon that you found to find two more bench Pokemon, and now you played one card from your hand, and you have a bench full of five. That's, that's disgusting. How, that's how <laughs> yeah. And it also means that you can essentially commit more cards in your deck to just playing consistency if you want, or playing more energy cards. You hit your a lucky generator, which is essentially a new max elixir sort of card. Look at the top five, and you can choose up to two lightning energy you find there and attach them to your bench to base your bench lightning Pokemon. Doesn't have to be basic, just bench lightning Pokemon. 
Um, that's pretty good. So you can put it on the like, so there, there is that option. Um, but essentially, like, City League didn't go well because I, I didn't really draw well. I had something come up with a judge call that happened, and uh, it was sort of unfortunate. Like, in the moment, definitely think that it wasn't a correct call, but uh, that's sort of how I lost out on my uh, chance to go to Yokohama as a player, which was unfortunate. But uh, it happens in Pokemon, right? We move on. So, um, but now it's actually, good to hear bad judging happens yeah, yeah. everywhere. It's good to hear that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if it's good to hear that. It definitely is. Definitely like a. I can't complain. Like, wow, we only have bad judges in X region or Y region. Like, people are always going to be uninformed, right? When um, the incentives aren't necessarily there as the the whole idea. So, like, for example, I think the judges here. I'm I'm still unsure about how it necessarily works. I think that they get paid. Some of them here. That's pretty nice. I think. Maybe they don't, and they just do it for the love of the game. Uh, for my sake, for my sake, I'm gonna hope they just do it for the love of the game and that they don't get paid. Uh, but if they do, I mean, it w- it wouldn't really make sense because players don't get paid for anything, right? So I'm not that's true. Not sure. But. That's something else we talked about in that previous episode of the prize money. We complain over here about the prize money in NAA tournament, NAU, etc. Tournaments, but uh, it is <laughs> to say significantly less is a massive understatement on that one <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's sort of like as we're on that like sort of prize money type thing uh when euic registration went up just like a quick point to make like and people were like really complaining about like arcanine crashing because there's so many people down and like people have a chance to register and they're like why is it like this like we should have a lottery for this all i'm gonna say to that is is be careful what you wish for. <laughs> as somebody who has gone oh for four on major event lotteries oh, to not no. get into a single major event to play. Be careful what you wish for. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, the 0 for 4 is... Oh, that hurts my soul to... Yeah. So, what about Maridon? Like, what are some of the things that you had that... Like, the, hey, this deck is good? Or do you like, eh, actually, this deck's not even that good anymore, and maybe other stuff should have been... Like, is it lasting the test of the format, I guess, would be the question. I mean, I think the deck is still good, like, what it's trying to do of, like, get your lightning Pokemon into play, get attackers set up, and swing for 300 is still a good strategy. Like, it's still very, very solid. Uh, I think, sort of, the, the the reason that the deck has sort of changed around a little bit is, I think that people are sort of understanding Klefki a little bit more for, like, what it is as a Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's keys. Like, Klefki is, it is a key. That, that, that's <laughs> very true. It is a key. The problem is, when you when you sort of look at it, like, the way that I view a card, whether or not a card is good, or whether I should even consider playing or testing a card before I even do, is I always look at a meta chart. Mm-hmm. And I always try to get somewhere around the 60% range, um, sometimes even 70, to consider if a card is worth uh, being part of, an integral part of a deck. So, Klefki is a great example of looking at that, right? So I need to look at all the meta... And in some way, shape, use, or form, Lefki needs to be good against at least 60% of the decks, right? So mm-hmm. the, w- the way to look at that is, okay, let's sort of analyze everything, right? Garatina and Lost already make up about 50% of the entire Lost and X right now. It's mm-hmm. about 50% with where it's at. Um, so that's good. And then Mew is another deck that it can be solid against, right? So that right there is about 60%, right? So, okay, yeah. solid, worth considering. The problem is, you sort of look at general meta trends and how it fares against other decks, right? Uh, and the problem is, it's, it's only good against those 60% of decks, right? Mm-hmm. Things like Lugia are already matchups that are a little bit tough for you, right? They have access to single prize Pokemon, they have access to trade back into you, right? Vigar Energy really doesn't, like, Vigar Energy can also stop certain things that they have Dunsparce as well, it can get a little bit difficult, so there are things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other problem, too, about playing something like Klefki... Uh, is you're playing something that's a little bit more inconsistent in your deck right now. You have to commit, commit three deck slots or something. And on top of that, it's sort of anti-synergetic, right? You can't use tandem unit under Klefki, right? So if you start Klefki, you're limited a little bit in the plays you want to do. You really want to be valuing those early attachments so you can get early game aggression, right? If you have to commit those energy attachments to move Klefki out of the active just to bring up a two-priced Pokemon to then use tandem unit on that, it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit detrimental. So sort of what, what players started to do is they kind of went back to the drawing board with Maraida and they were like, okay, 
can we play this deck without Klefki like we were doing originally, like first week of release? But can we do that so it still beats Lost Zone? And I think what they, they came to, and sort of the similar conclusion that I've came to, is it's possible. It's just a very different approach. And it, re it revolves around, instead of trying to hard lock Lost out of the game through a, like a switch bolt side, switching kind of strategy to like hit into Klefki, move into Klefki, back and forth, back and forth, relying on Lux Ray V to do the job. To essentially utilize something like Judge to put your opponent into a four-card hand, then discard a trainer card with Luxray. You could still do the boosted damage if you have two Regilek EV Max in play. Mm -hmm. That's 90 damage. So you still knock out Klefki, and then of course you're going to knock out Cramorant even with one uh, Regilek EV Max in play. And then pretty much say, hey, if I judge you and you have Colrus, that Colrus is now gone. You can't do that. Or at that point, you're going to have two flower selectings and a Greninja, right, to find yourself the Colrus. Otherwise, I could just do it again, right, and trade two for two, and then from there try to just play keep the aggression game i can like lightning wall down the line right to try to what's a lightning wall <laughs> what's a lightning wall yeah. so lightning wall is the second attack on reggie lucky v that card is, is really broken so of course it has the single energy attack for 30 damage for a single lightning energy that says switch your active pokemon with your bench pokemon so the original strategy was that you use that attack mm -hmm. with the boosted reggie lucky v max to do about 90 damage and then switch into klefki right so that was your whole strategy it's broken that, that sounds disgusting Hit 90, go into Klefki, here go, right? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it also has an attack for two lightning and a colorless. It does 100 damage, and it says, during your next turn, damage done to this Pokemon is reduced by 100. That's a lot. <laughs> that, which is, okay, that's pretty which good. Which is surprising, right? Yeah. I mean, we're so used to, like, V Pokemon being, like, really terrible, right? Like, you just like, it's okay, so I bad. want to VMAX it, right? I want to V-start it, but like this is like an example of like what V-Pokemon I think could have been, which is like solid like this. Good attacks. Solid for being it. It gives you the choice sometimes of whether or not you want to V-star and evolve. It's good. It's reminiscent of Shadow Rider, where you could often tell a good Shadow Rider player from a bad one of whether they use Shadow Mist and Astral Barrage. And it seems like the same thing here of like, oh, those are both like very valuable attacks. Like hit and run is always good in the trading card game. And mm -hmm. then Minus 100 is... I mean, this is, like, incredibly good against any single prize deck. It just seems like the only single prize deck that really exists is Lost Box, and then kind of Guardy, if you want to count that. I don't know if people count that as a single prize deck. But yeah, that's a pretty good card. I've never read Reggie Lucky V, honestly. So, today I learned. Um, I do want to ask, too, and now I've forgotten. Oh, heck. Okay, never mind. I don't want to ask anything else about Maridon. Are there other things that you've kind of like gone into or is it still like you think Maridon just should see more play and more success? Um, I think the West approach to decks are pretty much going to come down to a lot of the times, at least for like my understanding, like when people decide to play decks and focus on them, they want it to have a good master spread against everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So Maridon is definitely one of those decks that like can beat everything. It has the tools in the format to do it. A great example, too, is like, for example, Lugia on paper is a pretty bad matchup for Maridon, right? They could use Stone Journer to take knockouts. They can even take two three-price knockouts to win by going uh, Stone Journer, knockout Regilek VMAX, and then using Tyranitar with four single strike energy to take a knockout onto a, a VMAX, right? Mm -hmm. So that line of play exists. Um, however, something like Lugia can play a 1-1 one, one line of Flying Pikachu, which shuts down the strategy because Flying Pikachu takes knockouts onto Lugia V-Star, right? Mm -hmm. It gets set up. So it could take 4-3, to three essentially, that way, right? And then Tyranitar and Stone Journer can't hit it because of obviously blocking basics from hitting it, right? Yeah. So, and they don't have the, line. like, Escape Rope boss strategies in lists. No, they don't play Escape Rope, no. Okay. Not on Lugia. So that's pretty good. Yeah, so there's like sort of that strategy about Maridon. You could choose to play Flaffy in your deck. You could choose to play Radiant Greninja. There's pros and cons, and there is flexibility. It is definitely, I think the thing holding it back is it, it really lacks a consistency engine, and it's really reliant on finding energies off of your Electi Generators. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter how well you sequence and how well you play the deck out. It, it is a... I mean, for anybody watching, like, if you are if you want to get into playing post-rotation decks and you don't want to feel overwhelmed right away, like, my recommendation to anybody who is 
uh, either at a beginner level or trying to get into this or doesn't feel maybe as confident with Lost Box at the moment or or one of the Lost Dice. Gardevoir also is a very complicated... Like, a lot of decks are pretty complicated now. Like, you have to... Lugia I, still is a deceptively hard deck. You still have to know what you're doing with that deck. You still have to know what you sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else? Mew is also a deceptively hard deck. Like, it's not as easy as Fusion Systeming, especially in this format. you got to be really careful. Uh, Garatina, not an easy deck. Uh, lost single price loss, an even harder deck to play than Garatina. Uh, and I, I'd say, like, besides Arceus Garatina, like, this deck is also a very good intro deck. There's a, Arceus Garatina and this deck are, are two decks that I always recommend to players just getting in to just say, hey... While you're going to learn a deck that's pretty simple, you're also going to get a good understanding for the format. And once you understand the format better, then maybe start to jump into some more difficult decks. But there's no reason to sort of like overwhelm yourself and, and play with these new decks. It's not a bad thing to challenge yourself, right? But you've just got to... Uh, you're going to have more fun when you can start to master. When you get to that level of mastery with a deck uh, or with understanding, then you could take that and sort of ride that wave into getting mastery with another deck, if that makes sense. I think that's actually really good advice. Just, <laughs> just in general, because... I don't know how many listeners we have going to EUIC, but statistically, a lot of people are going to EUIC. And that's one where if you've never been through a rotation before, and it's kind of ridiculous to think a lot of players have never been through a rotation before or like not as competitors, right? So that's wild. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, we didn't have one until technically pre-COVID, right? It was Worlds 2019 was the last. No, 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 no. We did have one during COVID. We did have one because we lost tag teams at some point. But yep, yep. Gosh. Anyway, um, not the point of this. Yes, and that is really good advice. If you are someone going to EUIC and you are someone who has never lived through a rotation, it changes things both a lot and not at all. <laughs> and so picking that thing and then not too overwhelming of a deck is usually a pretty good idea. Um, I do remember the question from before, too. So it seems like Beach Court, I think that's the name of it, right? The one less retreat for basic Pokemon. Beach Court is like really good for, I think, literally every deck, except maybe Lugia, I guess. Is this a card? You talked about the hit and run into Klefki strategy. Let's say someone wants to do that. Is there a world where you're like, I my opponent so likely to play their own Beach Court, especially like a Lost Box, that you can kind of go with your own stadiums? Or is this not like a full, like everything wants to play beach court, so everything does, so you can just play your own secondary stadium for, not fun, but for like added consistency? Uh, not everything wants to play beach court. Uh, Gardevoir doesn't, Arceus Garatina doesn't, Lugia doesn't, MU doesn't, right? So that's four decks that don't play it. So at that point, right, again, if you if there's a less than 50-50% chance that you're going to play that card, like you definitely should still include copies of Beach Court because at that point mm-hmm. it would be like you've already, if you already have the Switch in hand, right? So the logic is like sort of there, right? Like I could commit more cards to playing Switch, but if your intention was to just switch your active Pokemon out anyways, it's the same thing, right? If you have it in hand, then sure, it's there, right? You just play it, you switch. Or if it's already in play, then you just get to switch for free, right? So it's the same thing. Um, it's not to say that there's other stadiums that are also good in Baridon. I think that... Collapse Stadium is a really good card in that deck, especially against a lot of the lost decks that are trying to like chip away at your two price Pokemon, right? Or, or chip away at your V Max Pokemon. You can just kind of negate one of their turns essentially when they go lost mine, put 12 damage counters onto a, a ride on, setting it up to get knocked out the following turn. You can just go, okay, uh, I've got no energy on it. I'm sorry, I don't care. I'm going to play uh, Collapse Stadium and get rid of it. Okay, so what's Tina playing? I should have probably done my homework on this one, but. Tina is playing Beach Court. They're okay. playing Beach Court, and I don't think we're getting it in Scarlet Violet Base. I ha- like I have to preface this with like I have no information on TPCI with any of the stuff that I say. Like this is just my own opinions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't think we're getting uh, some of the new cards from Triplet Beat, which is the set that has the that just released on Friday here in Japan. We got another set. We got another set on Friday, um, and it has. The EX of evolutions of the starter Pokemon. Um, Those are pretty good. like probably the, the good one because you discard a grass from your hand and you put three counters on a bench Pokemon and then you do 120 and 120 more if you return an energy to your hand. So mm-hmm. it's pretty solid, especially as a stage two. It's got a lot of HP as well. So it's got a lot going on for it. But um, the, the best card out of that set is Jet Energy. Do you know what Jet Energy does? Jet energy. Is that the one that's a rainbow energy if it's attached, but only if it's the only special energy? That's an entirely different one. Okay, then I have no idea what jet energy does. I, I don't know its new name. It's, it's just Prism Energy re- rebranded, though, in that card. Um, which is just, yeah. That card's also okay. It makes it so that Lugia now has a choice if they want to play sort of this three-card package of 
lost of radiant charizard and maybe two of those energies right mm -hmm. it technically can because it can uh it can put those on and have that work uh, also interestingly enough it can actually now transition over to a fully colorless build but i'm sure i'll have some time to talk about lukia uh later but th the main reason i wanted to bring it up was jet energy is a colorless energy but when you attach it to a benched pokemon you get to switch that pokemon with the active so the reason I bring that up is it's really solid because let's say you have a Comfy in the active, Comfy in the bench, you start mm -hmm. turn one, right? You can use your flower selecting in the active, then jet energy the bench Comfy, and not only does it switch it up the active to the bench, but it also gives you your pivot back to retreating for the turn, right? So it essentially acts as two switch in one at that point. You can even decide to just play your switch card already like you were going to if it was just an energy card, mm -hmm. and that way you save the energy in case you get judged next turn, right? So you have that protection against you for an extra switch card, right? So it's really solid. It's really good. That's pretty good. Unfortunately, like you said, it's not coming out <laughs> here, so y'all just got it. So we'll start to see it in lists, I assume, because that is an incredibly powerful effect, right? Yeah, it's very good in both the single price lost decks. Garatina's really, really enjoying that card. I think it's made Garatina an even better deck than it already was. It was kind of a weird energy split. It was like four grass, sometimes four grass, four psychic, four water, and then playing like one recycler to two recycler. Um, but now with jet energy, you can sort of cut maybe a grass energy out of your deck, right? Play jet energy. And then you can cut something like a water energy as well, potentially, and play another one because of how strong jet energy is, right? The deck wants to get cards in the Lost Zone. It wants to be pivoting in and out. And it just gets to essentially do more of those for less deck slots, which is exactly what the deck wants to do when it has a lot of options on what it wants to play. Does it want to play Clara? Does it want to play things like Thornton? Does it want to play more Energy Retrievaler, more Sableye? Does it want to play more Roxanne in the deck? More Like, it has cards that it wants to play. Yeah. More Nest Ball, Pokey Gear to be more consistent. Like... Giving yourself more space in this format right now, and we have a limited card pool, it's a good option. It's a good idea. So we reached out on Twitter for some questions, and one of them was one that I think everyone who clicked on this podcast wants to know and then was asked several times. So this question was asked by three separate people. So we have at the diff TCG asked it, and we have Mike Fouché. And we have Raffle G. And I want to give a quick shout out to Raffle G uh, hosting a new podcast, the Memory Capsule podcast. And I'm shouting it out because they just did an episode with Andrew Hendrick, who is a guest that has been on my list of wanting to interview for a while. And so go listen to that one and pretend that we did it instead. Anyway, the question is something in general everyone asked about. Does the best of one format versus the best of three mean that the Japanese results are going to be, you know, good quote-unquote, to look at for our potential results? Is it vastly different? So is the current format or the current circuit, the best of one versus the best of three, going to make a, a massive difference in the results that we should expect to see come EUIC time? In terms of deck popularity and strength, I don't think it really matters. I think a deck is going to be strong in best of one, as strong as it would be in best of three. Now, it's not to say certain archetypes are completely limited out. I mean, Sander would not be able to survive in a climate like this in japan <laughs> because it's 25 minutes best of one he's gonna get slow played out of every win that he wants to get mm -hmm. right? um however some deck inclusions the meta choices things like that can definitely change when you're looking at a format that has a little bit less time can't be as flexible so that either means players are going to play their decks too but it could be looked at both ways right would you rather in best of one play more risky and play a deck that's a little bit more inconsistent than just trying to win a game and play that way to try to win less games essentially? Mm -hmm. I mean look at look at a, a five round tournament, for example, best of three. In best of three, you need to you need to have your deck function a minimum of ten games in a row if you want to go five oh, compared to five games if you want to go five oh essentially in best of one, right? So do you want to be more consistent to do every one of those games so you don't lose one of those? I mean, you have to also look at it on this way. In best of one, if you brick a game, you lose the set. In best of three, if you brick a game, you don't lose the set, right? So it's things like that where there's two sides back and forth to how you approach a certain matchup that are important. Uh, deck choices-wise, I think it's, for the most part, going to be pretty similar. I think, again, some decks like Maridon that are a little bit more inconsistent could mm -hmm. strive a little bit more uh, and be a little bit more powerful in something like best of three. Lost Box as well is a deck that I think functions well in best of three. If you got a bad game with Lost Box, you can build your deck to be a little bit more risky, a little bit more aggressive. And if you lose a game, you understand, hey, when my deck sets up, when my deck does what it wants to do, 
I beat everything, right? So I can afford to just lose to bricking if I lose to myself and beat everything else. In my mind, at least as a player, that's fine. Like, I'll, I'll take that as a downside. So. Are you, now that you've been playing a little bit of best of one, are you currently like, you know, this is perfectly fine for a competitive circuit, or are you still in the camp of most of us over here who are like, what are they doing? Best of three is so much better. Uh, I will say this, best of one in terms of time and for local events with low stakes, I think is good. I think it's a good way to play the game. Uh, and I can 100% see after playing that the game is, in my opinion, designed with the intention to play best of one, mm -hmm. with how formats are designed, with how cards are tested. Um, so I, I really see the disparity the more I sort of like think about best of three and, and sometimes like evaluate that option. Um, however, I, I will say that uh, best of three is a better format. It, best of three promotes skill in the game. Best of three promotes time management skills that I think are overlooked here in Japan. And I think that present a more professional climate. Um, like if I looked at the game on like even even where he has a caster on like production side, like what would I want to see to make this feel like an esport to make it feel like something competitive? Like best of three is the answer to that, mm -hmm. and it always will be. Um, even like when we did Players Cup three. Uh, we did best of five for grand finals. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we need to go all the way to best of five. I think that was a little bit of an, of an overkill when we did that. It was definitely like an interesting experience. And I think for like the time being, it was definitely like answer the question, like what would it feel like to be best of five? So if you're ever wondering, you sort of watch that tournament back because we did do best of five for winners finals and for grand finals. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say pretty confidently that uh, and I tell the Japanese people as much as I can here, like, uh, yeah, best of three is better. Like you guys are missing out. I do love during your OCIC interview, that was what both people who you were interviewing said. They're like, uh, kind of like the best of three that I'm doing today a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, they just want to play more Pokemon, right? A lot of people just want to play more Pokemon. I mean, you play more rounds, you play more opponents, but you technically play more Pokemon with that. Uh, yeah, and, and like a majority of like my losses here have just been to like bricking hands and not drawing well. And like, I mean, you do that and sometimes at like locals, you got to go like X and O, right? So mm. you just... There goes your chance, right? Don't draw coldest. You don't draw battle pass or whatever. Like, okay, GG, I lose. So that works. Shout out to the fact I can never win a league challenge to save my life. <laughs> there's there's always one round in there. And it's like, oh, cool, you got fifth place now because you went six and one or whatever. It's like this sucks. I hate this. Well, where are you going to play seven round league challenges, man? I guess where do the, I have to avoid? Where do I have to not go? I think five and six is the more. Seattle, some of the the stores near me, the problem is the stores near me are the ones that are like in the city, and the ones in the city are the ones that draw. We can easily get, you know, 40, 50 people at a challenge. For a league, for a league challenge? We, we've also, there's zero consistency. I've gone to league challenges where there's like three. And it's like, uh, we'll just add, or I can't say that probably, they add someone. Like a New York <laughs> record that I've seen is like 25. That's like max like new york city that's kind of wild we've definitely had some just absolutely massive and some banger league challenges up there no up there for they're not bangers <laughs> it's not worth i mean it's like it's fine but yeah it's not worth it anyway that's not why we're here <laughs> okay um another question that was asked by pokey gamer james sims is about gardevoir so we saw in, I don't know how much Garda you've played, but presumably you've played against it or yeah, something, right? Uh, we saw the Chrysalia, or we saw the Jelly, sorry, the Emergency Jelly was the big one that we saw get second place in the very large turn, 3,200 people? Or 3,200 Masters, let alone the rest. 3,000 Masters. 3,000. Oh, so it's a little smaller. <laughs> But we saw it a second. There were two emergency jellies in there. We've seen the Chrysalia in there. That is the, you know, one energy. It does move 20 damage from any of your or all of your Pokemon onto one of your opponent's Pokemon. Or is it a snipe? Is it move damage or is it a snipe? Do you remember the exact word? It is wording? a move. You move two damage counters from each of your okay. Pokemon to one of your opponent's Pokemon. So it does get through Manaphy in that case, if I know what I'm talking yeah, about. It is counters, yeah. Sweet. So is that enough for Guardi to actually have a solid loss box matchup? Or is this just like someone had a good run with a 58 card deck? 
Um, so in terms of Gardevoir right now, I'll preface the the question with the fact that Gardevoir has become pretty consistent with how it's being built. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of wants to play cards like Emergency Jelly to sort of keep where it's at, get set up early, place things like Battle Pass, and then have a couple of win conditions, right? So win condition one is the Baby Gardevoir. That's a 60 plus 30 for every Psychic Energy on it. It also has a great ability that draws you two cards and you attach any energy cards you find there to your Pokemon. Um... And then that has the ability to also hit with the EX Pokemon if it wants to sort of play a little bit of a poke game sort of strategy with that as well. Mm -hmm. And then the Zacian with the Sky Seal Stone to take multiple prizes onto the VMAX and V-Star Pokemon. Um, however, when looking at matchups, you have to understand that a lot has to go right to keep yourself in the trade. You are a stage 2 deck. Your aggression early really does not exist outside of if you want to attack with Zacian, you could theoretically like attach to it. <laughs> Use the intrepid sword, not intrepid sword, whatever the <laughs> ability is on it. I, I just I'm call it intrepid sword. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's intrepid sword. You end your turn. It's intrepid sword. That's it. That's the discussion. So I might hear too many times with that to be fooled with another intrepid sword type copy. So it's an intrepid sword that always hits. It's broken. Listen, <laughs> uh, I've hit three energy and I've hit zero energy off intrepid sword. So I've got a, I've got a nice balance here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna run with it. So. <laughs> um so you have that option too but the idea here is like just like a lot has to go right with lost to be functioning and to keep up a lot has to go right with mew or uh, with i think mew celebrations but that's a great way for you to get set up as well mm -hmm. don't forget that card's a great card to look at in that deck as well um but a lot has to go right when you're playing gardevoir to get set up i mean let, let's think of a situation that's very common turn one kramer right what are you having take the turn one kramer hit what, what's it gonna be Right? Like, there's not a lot of great options. A lot of the time, it's Raiding Greninja, which is not terrible, right? But again, that sets math up so that Sableye could take a knockout onto the Raiding Greninja, and it could take a knockout onto Manaphy to try to set up plays to use the snipe, right? Mm -hmm. It could also knock out Curlia and knock out the Raiding Greninja, right? So those plays exist, right? Uh, even if the damage counters get moved off, right? You get a 9, so you're at 4 7, right? Uh, you can also do 8 4, right? So the math is there to knock out a Curlia because Curlia has 80 HP. So, uh, like, the math exists, right? Um, is a Ralts getting knocked out? Well, that means you're not having any consistency. Your deck is like 20 search cards in your deck, right? Those aren't good if you can't use trade and get through your deck. So, a lot of the matchup comes down to how well decks set up. But in terms of Gardevoir in the deck, when Gardevoir sets up, when Gardevoir gets going, it has tools to beat everything. Like I mentioned, right? The tools exist. Problem is, getting there and getting set up, right? How do you heal? With, how do you deal with hand disruption? How do you deal with oncoming pressure, right? Mm -hmm. What cards is the Lost Zone deck playing? Are they playing... I've seen some crazy inclusion in this deck. I've seen Galarian Moltres from uh, Chilling Rain, the one that does 50 plus, 20 plus 50 for every prize your opponent's taken. I've seen that card get played in a deck to take care of Gardevoir. Yeah. I've seen Hoopa V get played in Lost Zone decks. <laughs> the, literally the one that has like... Does 170 damage. I've seen that one get played in Lost Zone decks because you can Mirage Gate onto it. Um, yeah, just, just random cards can exist to to take care of specific pieces in the deck. So I think that Gardevoir, again, like, it wouldn't exist as a deck if it couldn't handle things in the format, right? But there are glaring issues the deck has. How does it deal with early aggression? How does it deal with getting pressured by certain Pokemon? How does it deal if it gets hand disrupted? These are questions you got to ask yourself when you're thinking about, can I play this deck or not? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I want to get while we're on Gardevoir, because someone, and I know who that someone is, yelling at their headphones right now listening to this, you mentioned Gardevoir. You never mentioned you can just go into Clef Key. So why aren't Gardevoir lists running a bunch of Clef Keys right now? You already mentioned a little bit about Clef Key, so it might be just I'm going to co-sign what I said before. But is there another reason that they're not running Clef Key in their deck? Uh, so two reasons. Number one is bench... or three reasons, actually. Number one is bench space. So, like, the deck wants to play a lot of Pokemon. It wants to have a lot of Pokemon down. Against Lost, for example, you want Cresselia. Greninja, let's count. We got six here, right? Cresselia, <laughs> Greninja. Let's go two Ralts. Manaphy. It's five. And then you've got one flex spot, Zacian, or a third Ralts, right? Definitely want to have three Ralts down, because if yeah. one gets knocked out, then you've only got one going on, right? Anyone so who's ever played right Zoroark there. is like, you need more than two. <laughs> yeah. Two Zoroark's not going to cut it, right? So, <laughs> um, so that's it, right? No flexibility there, right? And mm -hmm. I didn't even mention Klefki at that point, right? Yeah. So what's your cut? You play one Klefki, well, then your opponent plays Ralts down. Oh, my opponent plays Escape Rope. 
Okay, <laughs> I don't have my opponent's not ability locked anywhere, right? So now I need to play two down, right? Where's my cut now? Well, if I have Klefki, I don't have Raining Greninja, which, sure, there's your bench slot, but that also means I have no consistency. So that's reason number two. You shut off your own Raining Greninja. You want to just get set up. Sometimes you, you your opponent's going to do what they want to do. That's just Pokemon sometimes, right? We don't have trap cards in our game, right? There's no team flare gear. There's no power spray, right? Like, <laughs> you can't interact with your opponent when you're trying to do things right now, right? So that's sort of the, the idea and the concept. Um, and number three is there's a niche interaction that exists that actually makes Klefki detrimental to Gardevoir. It's the fact that if Klefki's in the active position, Water Veil on Manaphy is shut off. So Wait. Essentially, oh, yeah. that's so bad. <laughs> so essentially, a boss's orders is essentially like a boss plus cologne combo if there's a Klefki in play. Yeah. Um, so assuming fact, you don't even need to knock out the Klefki or the Manaphy, you can just knock out Double Curlia if you want at that point, right? Like, yeah, that's leave them both in play. They're not doing anything to your board, right? That's so, incredibly good. I I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that's or like you're up against Lost Box, and if they have a hand ready to go, like you have to be careful on that escape rope play because if you escape rope and you bring up mm-hmm. like haha sucker, and they're like all right, sick Mirage Gate, yeah, that's I that's that's like a very relevant interaction. It's not like the absolutely yeah. broken like oh Klefki's absolutely trash because of it, but that is mm-hmm. that probably comes up more than zero times. <laughs> Yeah, and Garatina doesn't really care about Klefki a lot of the time. Like, it, it doesn't like getting slowed down by any means, but they just sit there with a Garatina in the active and they just use Abyss Seek, and they just keep Abyss Seeking until they find either Boss to get out of Klefki Lock, which usually their play is to go Boss, either, sometimes not even to Boss, they just get to 7 and they're lost, right? Which, if they have 5, they can still threaten it with a Colrus, right? And then they just go, okay, Greninja, Mirage Gate, attach, knockout, and the next turn, like, what are you doing? Are you going to keep Klefki in the active again for another turn? I'm just going to attach the Greninja and pass, and then force you to take a knockout onto it, right? Or I'll just Moonlight Shuriken you again. Yeah. Um, or they'll just go, like, boss, Giratina, hit, or even with the V, they'll hit, like, they have plays, right? It exists, so. That was something I tried to preach early in the Lost Thunder format. Before, things changed a lot, but very early people were like, yo, Empoleon yeah. V is the absolutely broken. I made a whole video on why I thought Empoleon V wasn't good and giving a bunch of reasons. People were like, you're a meta manipulator. You just want to play Giratina. And it's like, Giratina's fine. Abyss Seeking is a ridiculously good. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You're going to manually attach three times to it to hit to two-shot me while I'm doing all this stuff. And Klefki's attack is bad <laughs> like it's not even as good as empoleon v is empoleon v is a bad attack yeah that's another great example of an incredibly strong pokemon v right so there's definitely bias in terms of which v's we're gonna make strong and which we're not like the fact that that pokemon has a shred attack still like that's so good like, why why do you have a shred attack you do not need this yeah it does stop <laughs> you don't need it no 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 cope stop coping man stop coping <laughs> when you're you know, talking- like a bisque is, is incredible it's and so you can good. also just like manually you can also just manually attach three turns because if the deck's playing klefki it's either a really really slow trying to set up or 70 percent of the time be just a terrible deck and you shouldn't be playing it so <laughs> that's just, that's just the truth of the matter man I'm, I'm gonna keep it real here i'm gonna keep it real you're definitely gonna get some like angry dms on twitter or something after that one from plenty of people sure, who at their I, league have figured out that klefki's broken dude i have the spice man just wait till you i see man you're not ready for this <laughs> yeah i'm ready show it me I do think it's interesting. You were talking about just go back to the Giratina at the be how at the beginning of the format. You're like Giratina so good, and your your rant right now, which is very accurate about why Giratina has so many weapons. Like the fact that it uses psychic energy and Sableye exists is such an obvious why Giratina is successful. And you've already talked about why it's not successful in this format and why it is successful in post rotation format. But like everything about it is good. Both the V attacks are good. Both the V star attacks are good. The fact that it has synergy with the Sableye is so good. Because like, if Gudra attacked with a Psychic Energy and could use Sableye, I think Gudra would be... Shout out to Gudra. I love Gudra. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Kobe for getting second in Vancouver with it. But anyway, like, that would be just such a big inclusion. But instead, Gudra uses two energies that are eh, kind of useless. I mean, technically, you can use Greninja, I guess. Eh, kind of useless, right? Sableye's more broken than that. So yeah, it's, everything about Giratina is just good. It's just, it is like I, I like I think I stopped playing a lot more. I've been really like personally in mind. I've been trying to experiment with single prize loss because the thing with Garatina is like, at least in my opinion, like if there's not a tournament to play right, and I'm just like going to locals and playing things like 
I know I can come back to Gar- to Garatina, and all I have to do is look at the same 57 cards and change three of them, right? Like, yeah. That's always going to be there for me, right? I'd rather try to be the person who innovates a deck to win a tournament with, right, that, like, nobody's going to expect, because that's all I can really just do right now while I'm waiting to enter a big tournament is just try to innovate, right? Mm-hmm. So that when that time comes, I or somebody I know, I can just sort of hand the deck and be like, hey, like, I think this is really good. Like, I've been practicing with this. Like, let's go ahead with this, right? Like, let's let's just do it. So uh, that's kind of, like, all I can do at this point. but. Uh, I definitely like burnt myself out with Garatina because it was like all I was playing for like the first month of post rotation. Yeah. Uh, now I'm trying to like even lost some decks too. Like I'm trying to like take a break, like play a little bit of Lugia and like uh, maybe some more fun stuff. It's not terrible. Like Hisu and Zorwark is definitely a fun deck to play. Uh, you kind of just like hit for big damage and play the game of like you're you're kind of like playing a game right of Pokemon, but you're playing like a fun mini game within Pokemon of like how can I damage all my Pokemon and put little counters <laughs> on them all and. And do what my deck wants to do. So it's like a fun little mini game. You feel like you're like playing solitaire. It's like one of the fun decks to play solitaire with. So I enjoy it. One more deck that you didn't mention whatsoever in there, which is very interesting to me, was anything involving Arceus. So Travis Haller, Hollerman TCG on Twitter asked, "What do I do with my Arceus cards in my binder besides put them next to Duraludon?" So what you do is you take Arceus. And you put it next to the strongest V-Star Pokemon. Which, what you always want to do with Arceus is you want to you know, look at the tier list, right? And you <laughs> want to see, okay, there's any V-Star Pokemon. Can it be Arceus? Arceus, right? Like, can you throw it in with Arceus, right? And so you go, okay. Uh, well, this might take some time, so we'll go, okay, Garatina. And then you think about it, and you're <laughs> oh, like, no. wait, I can, just, I can just play Garatina with this, right? Like, why would I not want to, like... Do 280 damage to my opponent. So true. You play with uh, you play with Garatina, and that's sort of it. It's it's a good deck. It's very linear. It's very straightforward on what it wants to do. It's consistent. It has access to Starbirth. It hits for big damage with Garatina. You can always pitch away double Turbo Energy. It counts as two energy. That's how you can fulfill the Lost Impact attack requirement. And you have, of course, the best strategy in the history of the Pokemon trading card game. You've got Judge and Path to the Peak. What else do you? Do? <laughs> Should everyone be investing in their full art judges right now? Is this just like an absolute uh, staple card? I think you should invest in play promo judges from like Harkle and Soul Silver if you're gonna pay uh, full art prices, maybe. But that's just that's just me. I think that I would rather play reverse hollow Harkle and Soul Silver judges. That's the like judge judge tier list real quick. It's probably like <laughs> HGSS. Um, <laughs> you're just that's it. Rake, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely like HGSS, like above <laughs> the camera. Probably like, um, I, I like the Lost Thunder Full Art. Yeah. And then uh, probably Breakthrough Judge, the new Full Art that came out, I think. The character, and technically. The Something new like one for Scarlet, the new one for Scarlet Violet. That, that brother's kind of chilling, so I vibe with him too. I, I vibe with all of them, they're, they're all kind of cool. We're kind of we're kind of missing the female judge, so we need to get female judge. Just like we have male welder, we never got male welder in America, bro. That was such an L. Oh, we didn't. Such an L. No, bro. He we, was hot. he we, was hot too. We, Whoever drew that was like, I have an idea for what this is gonna be. The, the pitch meeting must have gone crazy <laughs> at TPC. They must have been cooking something up. <laughs> Guys, imagine what all the girls will do when they see this card. They will need to buy it. <laughs> We, I, I think that would be the I think that would be the same pitch if we get female full art judge, bro. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, no. Related to this, yeah. unrelated to post rotation though. But whatever, it's my podcast. Are you someone who goes off of art on a card? Do you want to play the oldest version, or do you go off like sentimental? Like this is the best because I started playing during this era, or something like that. Like, how do you pick? Let's assume money's no object too. Like, let's not. Okay. Don't say cheap. Don't say cheapest. Say, don't say cheapest. Okay, I play what I can get my hands on. Like, usually, if I'm going to keep it real, because no, that's no my fun. philosophy is like, uh, I'd rather instead of paying like a hundred dollars on a, on a full art support, I'd rather pay hundred dollars to build another deck of Pokemon cards, <laughs> right, or, or build a retro deck that I'm building on. Yeah. But if I have a choice, right, if if money's not an, an issue, I, I usually go on. Either what makes sense for the deck, so what's easier to deck search with. Sometimes full arts are easier to deck search with in terms of like trainer cards. I just like how the supporters look most of the time for for the full arts. But if there are like some sentiments like old reprint versions, so like Pokemon Communication is a great example, like the Harkold Soul Silver Art as well. Ah, beautiful, right? Like that is that is a card that I enjoy playing the art of. Or 
Um, the only ex- the only example of like a card that I will play Bling for is Ultra Ball because I- I've been pretty open about Ultra Ball being like my favorite card and like a card that like uh, I don't know why I love Ultra Ball. It's just it's just the card that like I grew up with. It's like my childhood card, right? It was like Ultra Ball, right? Back in yeah. like, X Y. So that's it. But it has to be something that like doesn't make sense. Like I will not play Rainbow Rares in my deck. Do not do not tempt me with Rainbow Rares. They're not getting played. Not I'm gonna send you a bunch of Rainbow Rares now. A bunch of rainbow rares. Yeah. What am I gonna do with them? You're gonna, you're gonna play them. The They're free. Season? They're free. What card's gonna get your hands on? I got you some rainbow rares. Hey, say less. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. One last question, and then I'll open the floor if there's anything you haven't said yet, because I'm pretty sure the answer is yes to that. But uh, Scott Free asks, "How solved, quote unquote, does the format feel in Japan?" So you had about, I think it's a month. Of this format, right? That's the amount of time. Or has it been longer? January eighteenth was when the set dropped, so it's been oh, that's longer than I thought. Yeah, it's been almost two months. So you've had two months. So Scott's offering the like, is it like fifty percent solved? Is it like eighty percent solved? Like, does it feel like there's a lot of room for innovation? It just hasn't come around. You know, I'm you know what I'm talking about. What do you think? How we, solved? We got a we got a second set very very fast, especially in terms of a. Uh, like a solve format so all it's doing is just adding even more variance and card pool to what we have mm-hmm. i think in terms of the decks that exist so like looking at what is solved right if we want to break down like sort of a definition do i feel like there is a a confirmed best deck in the format no but i confirmed like there's the decks that exist like the six or seven decks like nothing is really going to pop out out of nowhere i i hope that one or two decks do because i think it's always fun when new decks are rediscovered or found to be strong but the metagame in itself is probably 80 to 85% solved right now. I say that again because I think one or two decks could maybe find their way in if the time is right and if people sort of start to understand. Mm-hmm. Trends are getting pretty consistent. We're seeing pretty consistent numbers in terms of decks staying at the percentages they're at. But we're also seeing current trends of certain decks rising, like Maridon is rising up in popularity. Lugia is continuously rising up in popularity as well. Lost Zone doc- decks are staying at the top. And then there's other decks that are trailing that will always be there. Like Mu Max will always be there at the top as a as a tier one deck because it is just Mu Max, right? Uh, in terms <laughs> of what is the best deck or like that question for like top three decks, that is still to be undecided, right? Uh, I'll give my input on the best three decks in the format because uh, why not? And you heard it from me, so it's going to be correct. Um, I have no reason to disagree lost- with you. <laughs> Listen, that's what I'm trying to say, right? So. I think Lost Zone decks are, like, too broad. I, I think just, like, to, to make it easy in terms of, like, simplicity, like, I think the Lost Zone as a mechanic, because it's so flexible and because it's so versatile, will be the best deck in the format because it can do anything. You've got, like, five ways to play this deck. You've got Garatina, Single Prize Lost with Greninja. You've got the Radiant Charizard version to play the deck. And then also, Hisu and Gudra. Yeah. It exists in this format. It loses Parasol, which is the thing that really put me off playing this deck for a while, because, of course, it's not truly a lock if your opponent can just, like, Sableye you two or three times, but people have been playing this deck. I think people are sort of understanding again, like, hey, like, I mean, my main issue with the deck, like, the reason I'm not a huge fan of the deck is because um, Garatina matchup is, like, borderline terrible, because they can just Star Requiem 1, ping with Sableye the second, and then because Sableye and Garatina is enough, right? That's 400, so mm-hmm. minus 80, it's still enough, right? Uh, even Cram, I think, gets there. No. Cram uh, does... Wait, Cram... 110 plus there. 2. No, Kram oh, I guess it depends if the Cram's hitting a fresh if one. If they're, rolling, if they're rolling ironing, then no, it doesn't get there. Yeah. So it's 230 combined. That sounds about right. Yeah, so... Um, anyway, tier, again, tier 1's so lost box. Decks, right? yeah. So Lost Zone is there. I still think Mew is the second strongest deck in the format. You could play either with Fusion to be aggressive. I think you can. I think Path to Peak Judge is even stronger right now when we don't have a lot of evolution consistency right now in the format. Mm-hmm. Getting set up for those decks is a little bit more difficult. Path to Peak, super strong card. Very, very self-explanatory. Drapion V is very scary still, but again, Path plus Judge means that as long as you're playing aggressive and taking early leads, you're really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third deck is kind of a tie between uh, Lugia and Gardevoir, maybe Maridon too. I'm going to give it to Lugia right now. I think that Lugia, uh, especially with a new set with Jet Energy, has the ability to play uh, a very, very different game plan. It could just play Snorlax, 
It can just play oldie colors Pokemon. It can play like Snorlax, Regigigas in the deck if it wants to as well. Um, it can also play Radiant Charizard again now. It's got access to really good Radiant Pokemon. It can play Radiant Gardevoir to be more tanky. It can play the Radiant that heals 20 from all your Pokemon to be a little bit better against the Lost Box. Mm. And it can now play Radiant Charizard, right, to hit, right? 280 is, like, an even more magical number because it's even harder to get now because we're sort of moving away from that, which is a good sign, right? I like that we're moving to a little bit of a slower game. So uh, I'm going to put it that way. We're going to Lost Zone decks, Mewitz, number two, and then we'll put Lugia at number three because I think that deck is still really, really good. And then as soon as we get a card, which is, like, due for, like, searching evolutions, right, to make the deck just a little bit more consistent, right, I think all the better for that deck. I think the deck just gets the biggest buff out of anything. So, If anyone listening to this vomited as soon as that tier list was almost the exact same as the current standard format be sure to leave a youtube comment or at hegster on uh twitter just just to let him know yeah it's not all terrible like uh, like if i have to like extend it to top five it's probably maridon gardevoir like where i'm at probably gardevoir maridon i put maridon probably at the five slot now i think it's really like it just showed it can't really keep up as, as well it's very relying on finding pieces it's subject to hand disruption it's got a lot of weaknesses but when it sets up when it gets going it, it is a high roll deck when it rolls the high when it hits the highest it's like better than mu highs right with like how it draws right it's that curve but it's just my question is if somebody can build the deck to be consistent and do what it wants to do and handle these matchups it's, it's going to be a really strong consensus consistent deck just the problem is a lot of times there's like one or two decks right now in the format just get in its way make it difficult to do what it's trying to do yeah it seems like as a whole the thing isn't the the format the games seem interesting to me and that's what i'm excited for but like sableye still exists and lugia and mew okoing stuff still exists and that mm-hmm. spread and giratina okoing stuff that spread is what's so hard because like you can't wall and that what beats the single prize loss box stuff and probably some walling stuff but you can't wall because you're going to get okoed by the other stuff it's like, okay, I'm going to out Oko you. It's like, well, Sableye exists, so you can't uptrade these things that are Okoing with the Tyranitars and the Giratinas because Sableye and Cramorant are just going to outpace you. And so it's a, you're, you're on both ends of the spectrum. And that makes, I think, and I could be wrong, but judging from what everything you said, it's still true. That's what makes it hard to kind of quote unquote solve the format. Yeah, exactly. So before we finish, one thing that you didn't get to say because i assume you had a mental list that would have taken a five-hour episode and sorry to everyone who wanted a five-hour episode i legitimately got told that yes they would accept that so bring back the hexter radio but uh <laughs> what is one thing that we didn't get to mention that you're like eh, this seems pretty important or this is part of my testing or this is the cool theory i have if anyone wants it um we sort of covered a lot but i would say like to anybody like watching like when it comes to a new format and when it comes to playing like this is like my favorite time to be playing the pokemon trading card game because the creativity is so endless don't think the format is solved right away there's still so much potential there's still so many decks that i didn't get to talk about that have strong placings palkia is still a really strong deck you've got a lot of these other v star and v max pokemon that sure they get kept by some stuff but they've got a lot of other great potential hisuian zoroark is another really cool deck that does a lot of damage right has a lot of potential. So there, there's things like that. Oink so alone? Ah. Uh, oh, no. You signed, you signed an agreement with me that we wouldn't talk about this. <laughs> you signed an agreement. I have the paper right here, man. You need me to pull it up? Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, but even, even things like that, right? So have, have fun with it. Have fun when you're playing a new format. Really try out different things and try to find something that works, right? Try to find something that, that's fun. But at the end of the day, what you may come to realize is that the meta exists because the meta is built by people who want to win in the Pokemon trading card game. But the nice thing is, with a new format, with the creativity, with where the power level's at, you can have fun playing Pokemon in a variety of different ways. You want to be serious about it, the decks are there for you, you want to try new things out, you have a little bit more flexibility because the gatekeeping is not at as high of a level as it has been in the past. So have fun with it, and enjoy yourself. On that beautiful inspirational note, where can people find you if they want more from you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at HegsterTCG. Uh, I've got the best updates and Twitter content on Pokemon Twitter. So yeah, if you're not following me already, then you're already making a mistake. Uh, then all seriousness, yep, can we follow there? And then twitch.tv forward slash HegsterTCG might have some content there. YouTube as well at HegsterTCG. And then uh, follow my Instagram as well. Uh, ethan.heggy if you want to sort of check out some more 
personal updates and stuff on my life. I'm going to be hopefully trying to like boost that social up a little bit more and, and hopefully adding some more content over there. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And as always, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on. I know the fans uh, enjoy hearing some more about post-rotation stuff. And if you're finishing up this episode and you're like, man, I'm really excited to play some more. I want some more information. My Twitter page has got endless amounts of content, threads on certain decks, uh, a lot of great information. Uh, and of course, uh, I usually try to like or retweet some of the stuff from some of the Japanese pages that have a lot of other great resources and information. So you can kind of go down the rabbit hole there if you follow through that page. Cannot recommend enough. There's plenty of people spouting things about post rotation, but follow the person who is actively playing it constantly. And you know, talking about it with other people who are playing constantly. And yeah, so go follow Ethan if you're not. Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. You can follow the podcast at Lake of Rage Pod. Be sure to leave a review if you're on Apple or Spotify apparently has reviews. You just click a number, preferably the five. The five is like, it's a really good number. You should click the five. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.